Good morning, Cinema Gush listeners. It is Halloween, and we have a very special episode for you. We are joined by a repeat guest, Kyle Peterson, who's going to walk us through his recommendations to get into the horror spirit. Uh, we hope you enjoy. This episode was a ton of fun to make, but it was also super long. So we are splitting it up into two pieces. Um, we'll do part one this week, and then uh, as a special spooky twist, we'll do part two after Halloween, because... Uh, that's the kind of twist that seems to be appropriate, given the, uh, I don't know. I don't know where I'm going with this, but uh, basically it's because it's long and we ran out of time to do all the episodes and we wanted to get a Dune review out. So to deal with it, next week you get part two. It's great. Uh, we'll start part two with The Shining, so come back soon. It's a good movie and you're going to want to hear us talk about it. So thanks and enjoy. Welcome to Horror 101 with a Professor Kyle Peterson and uh, what did you say you want to be Brendan Master's student or uh, undergraduates uh, working on his masters? Yes, indeed, uh, folks. Welcome to Cinema Gush. This is our uh, Halloween episode. Yeah, this is our big Halloween spectacular. If you've been listening this season, you know that Doctor Sleep kind of reconverted my lost hundredth sheep away of not caring about horror and not watching it growing up and i am ready i'm ready for some horror so i i usually save october for two things over the garden wall and scary movies in the daytime and so i'm about (laughs) halfway through over the garden wall and now it's time for some horror recommendations so i figure there's nobody else better to recommend for this episode than a mr kyle peterson who you remember from our hook episode he's a writer he's a director he's a man man welcome to the show good sir Stupid happy to have you back. Yeah, thank you for having me back. It's awesome. You guys have been doing really good. Yeah, have fun. Man. Yeah. Listen to this, uh, that MCU ranking that I thought I was going to get all super triggered over, but I think I'm okay. <laughs> Sorry, it worked out okay with you? Yeah, yeah. Do you remember yeah, what your top good. five are off the top of your head? <sighs> Not five. I remember, I know I put Avengers Endgame and Infinity War right at the top, back to back. Probably Civil War would have been third, I'm guessing. Uh, four and five, I don't remember. It's on a, it's were on a were any of the opinions triggering? Did any of them? No, because it's it's the bigger ones that like matter the most to me when they have the ensembles of sure. multiple franchises within that cinematic universe uh, teaming up, and everyone's balanced and written fairly well. You know, like that's uh, that sounds like way harder miraculous. to do in principle than just <laughs> yeah. have a Thor sequel not suck. You know. Which, yes. thank God for Taika, because yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's amazing. Ragnarok. But yeah. Fantastic. So, uh, so yeah, the whole, the whole point of this episode, folks, is just uh, for those of you who don't watch a lot of horror films or you're interested, much like myself, uh, this is going to be Horror 101. So, Kyle, please take it away. So first, can I, can I really ask, oh. just first, what is yeah. your history with horror? Can we, can we start um, there? There's, there's, I don't have like... A defined history like i used to not like scary movies at all because uh-huh. i didn't like being scared sure. and there's like i would say out of all genres in film i think horror has been through the worst kind of hell because mm-hmm. for a really good stretch of time they were the worst movies uh, agreed like for a while <laughs> there's a good like just i gave you nick was like just give me five films and i was like sure here's 11 and <laughs> where <laughs> i was looking at the timeline of this and it's like mid early 80s there's nothing until almost mid 90s to late mm-hmm. 90s because 
whoever was in charge of just turning this out was just turning out pure hot garbage. So I just <laughs> had no appreciation yes. for it at all. And I and the ones that were really, really good scared me too much. And that was it. So it wasn't until Interesting. you know, I got older and started to uh, really get into that season because I'm I'm very much the same close to Nick. Uh, I will like just binge horror movies just all October. That's all mm-hmm. I'm watching. Yeah, uh, is and I'll mix it with old favorites, classics, and try to find newer ones in here uh, or that are out there because there's so much out on all of our streaming services and everything like that. Um, there are some true gems out there and an ever compiling amount of garbage along with it so it's a tricky one to navigate because sure. much like anything else in arts and entertainment fear is subjective mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. not everything on this list is going to scare everybody uh but these are i think these are some solid good ones uh and they're really all over the place it however uh, this list is not my list of the favorite my favorite horror movies ever made. I had to it's leave a lot sampling. of them off. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I started to hurt my own feelings. I was like, ooh, ooh. At the end, no... we want to know just just dabble in a couple that you left off. But yeah. right, yeah, I think I think it would be good to like give your listeners a nice hey. If you kind of like this, uh, this, start here, and then you can mm-hmm. go from here afterwards. Mm-hmm. Uh, instead of just going over to a weird friend's house and being like, I don't know, shows me, show me what's spoopy to you. And they just <laughs> load up Netflix and you're like, oh, what is this? I don't know this person anymore. Because that can happen with horror. Yeah, I, I have a few personal favorites that are like truly demented. And I don't there, advertise that. There's a handful that. I like that I don't tell people to watch. Like, I there love this go. movie, but you shouldn't watch it. There you go. Ah. <sighs> All right, well, uh, guys, I guess I could start because uh, there's no order. There's, it's not like any of these are better than the. I mean, I definitely I feel mean, a certain. It's way. a great list. There's what? Yeah. What scares y'all? Uh, what scares us? Yeah. Like of your list. Well, like what? What? What fears do you have in general? Because then I can ping it to a movie and start there. So, I can tell you the movies that I find scariest. It's not about just big teeth and dark rooms. It's movies that seep into your subconscious and make you feel extremely <laughs> uncomfortable. Big teeth and dark rooms was what made me stop watching horror in the first place because growing up, I'd have sci-fi channel on for Mystery Science Theater 3000, but then it would always be these odd B-movie horror flicks like Pumpkinhead and all the leprechauns that would just scare the hell out of me. So I swore off horror for a long time because of big teeth and dark rooms. There's nothing wrong with big teeth and dark rooms. And I think sure. you can do it really well, but that can't be all you bring to the table for me. I, like, I... I want you to disturb me, my psyche a little. Oh, yeah. Let's start with so, that. Oh, your psyche. All right. This one's too easy. Uh, it's 1973's The Exorcist. Uh, uh, this movie, for better or worse, like when you watch it, uh, not a whole lot happens in it. I'm going to try not to spoil any of these unless you guys are <laughs> like, let's let's do it let's talk what actually happens because um follow your lead man uh, yeah the the exorcist is uh about demonic possession of a 12 year old girl and uh what happens and it's one of the like the slowest movies i can ever remember seeing this is the one this is the one that like made me dead stop on like okay well-made horror is too much. We're I'm um, pulling out. Yeah. I can't do this. I saw the director's cut that was like theatrically re-released early 2000s when I was like 15 years old and this movie traumatized me for like <laughs> I'm talking vivid night terrors for 6 months 
because mm. I could not get over anyone can just be possessed anywhere, anytime. You look at this movie a little closer, tiny little spoiler. There's a there's a short little scene, uh, I think somewhere in the first act, where uh, Reagan, the little girl who's played by Linda Blair, she's playing with a Ouija board. And we don't see her play with it. She's just like, found this Ouija board, did some things. And you're like, mm, don't. Bad idea. That's always a bad idea. Child, I need, I need you to not. They never bring it up again. But that's pretty much, like, if you look at the rest of the franchise, that's pretty much what causes this demon that Max uh, Van Sydow finds out in the Middle East, in the desert, like these statues to Pazuzu or whatever. But... Uh, she gets uh, possessed by this thing. It claims it's the devil, like the devil, uh, and slowly tears the sanity of this working mother, who's an actress, uh, apart. And it does it in such a methodical way that we can all see something's clearly wrong with this child, and the mother just tries to get help. And no matter where she goes, no matter how many medical professionals, psychiatrists, they all don't know. And it, that's where the bulk of the movie takes its time. Like it punctuates uh, transitional scenes of like, well, let's try this next with a scare. And when you see a, a, a young a preteen crab walk down the stairs, like oh, upside down, and blood just comes out of their the mouth, that's, I'm like, I'm like, ugh. nope. I will go to church now. I'm very sorry. <laughs> that's that's terrible. Um, that's that scene's not in the theatrical cut, like the original release. That's not in there. I didn't realize uh, that. So I saw this for the first time last year. I saw the director's cut and was blown away by this movie. But I, I think what you're saying there, that slow burn, makes it so much scarier to me. Yeah. It's it, it's it's the uh, the how how it takes its time uh, between uh, everything that analyzes what they think is really going on before just flat out saying the obvious. Um, and they go through all the medical procedures of what uh, what technology we had in the early 70s of uh, diagnosing people possibly, you know, with schizophrenia and whatever. That's also mm -hmm. horrible. Like, as you see her going sure. through these tests, you're just like, this sucks, kid. I'm really sorry. That's before she starts scratching her face to shreds. The big machines. And, Ooh, yeah, yeah the, all those MRI machines and everything they did to her. Uh, all these stress tests, and they cannot figure it out. Um, and... Some of the scarier scenes in this movie, uh, you know, kind of like uh, Silence of the Lambs, you don't see. They just talk about them. There's there's one murder <laughs> uh, where they're, they just describe it. And the way the director, like, frames these uh, shots when they're talking about this guy fell down some stairs, but his head was turned all the way around – you don't see it, Nick, but it's just there. It's just <laughs> acting and cinematography, and you're like, mm, I don't, it's I, don't I don't like this at all. Uh, and then, it, and then by the time it gets into, okay, well, let's go to the church for help. There, the church is just like, yeah, we don't do exorcism anymore because this doesn't work out well for anybody. So I'm sorry, not sorry, but I can't help you. And she pleads with uh, one younger priest who's actually a pre psychologist, and then they bring in. An, older timer priest to actually do this exorcism and that's not until the last 35 of the movie so this is a over a two-hour film where this exorcism is like the very very end of it uh <clears throat> and that at that point all this has built to this soul-crushing atmosphere that's beautifully um just summed up in this one scene 
and it, there's two different versions because uh, the theatrical has one where they, it's after the first bout with uh, this demon to get out of ring and they're throwing holy water and everything. Then the two priests are sitting outside at the top of the stairs. So I guess in the normal theatrical cut, they don't say anything. They're just sitting there really down in the dumps, just like, man, this sucks. <laughs> I don't like this at all. We're not winning. How did we tell? You know, they don't, but they don't say anything. They're just sitting there like just breathing. Director's cut. Uh, younger priest goes, why do you think this demon chose a child? And older one goes, I think it's to make us despair. Because if this childhood innocence is not safe, then where the rest of us, you know, open to. Truly terrifying. Like, that's in the director's cut. In, in the normal theatrical cut, they don't say anything on those stairs. So you that's get one nothing. of my favorite scenes in the whole movie. That's it's such a good scene. It's such a good scene. Um, but brilliantly acted. And when... All that, all that, like, don't, when we get in, when, when Max shows up as the older priest and is just like, all right, when we're in there, don't talk to the demon. Don't listen to it. It, all it's going to do is lie. And that's when this thing really starts messing with the younger priest um, by uh, tugging at his heartstrings over the death of his uh, elderly mom that happened earlier in the film. And sounds exactly like, you know, I mean, it's simple, you know, audio tricks and stuff like that. But it's truly creepy when they're trying to save this little girl and she's acting like a senile old woman and sounds like her and is like screaming like, why are you doing this to me? My son, my child, why? And you're like, oh, ooh, it's so creepy. Uh, the way it ends, which I won't spoil it for you, but the way it ends is brilliant. Uh, there is so much destruction in effort to... You know, keep faith alive, basically. That's that's essentially what uh, The Exorcist is about. It's like losing your faith, trying to find it again. Um, mm -hmm. But their journey to deal with that is like a, a solid pass. Like, uh, no, I, I, I won't, I don't rewatch <laughs> that movie ever. I don't want to kick I, in the ass. I it's mean. <laughs> too much. I hear the score and I have to just get up and leave the room because I'm like, no, uh, uh, uh. no, he'll she'll say like your mother's in here with us and spin her head around and barf up pea soup like that there's no blood in this film it's just a lot of puke and yeah. works Ooh. it just works anyway exorcist <laughs> came Great out in 1973 83 percent on rotten tomatoes so consensus was good uh had an 11 million dollar budget but pulled in 441 million holy Globally. crap shut up yeah right Whoa. uh unfortunately hollywood as terrible as it is, <laughs> pumped out five sequels for this Jeez. one movie based off of a book trilogy. Um, I think Peter. Have you Hayes. seen any of them? I have seen. I've seen the one where they identify the demon, and she's like, "My name is Bazuzu," and I'm like, "This is stupid. I'm out." Because <laughs> uh, they're all they're trying to do is just capture all that slow burn, the cinematographic like building atmosphere, tension building of the first one, which you pretty much can't do. But they thought they could, and they thought they could a lot. <laughs> they that... made two seasons of a TV show, and there's apparently a trilogy reboot uh, planned in the works right now. So, so that actually brings something up that I find that the so you described your distaste of horror back in the chunk of time that I thought horror was trash movies because it was just franchises with diminishing returns regurgitated over and over and over again. And there's a fair number of your movies on here that have crap sequels. Oh, yeah. And 
And that was what I associated with horror, failing to realize that a lot of times the first in these series are unbelievably brilliant. They're the excellent ones. Yeah, we they they realize this is the cheapest to make mm-hmm. with the highest ROI overhead, so why not? Yeah. Like no creative thought, no this is what the story is actually supposed to do. It's that's all cash grabs. And sure. we know it's a cash grab. Still show up for this. And they keep green lighting some of those. I totally am. I I just saw the new Halloween and I'm just like stewing about it. I'm like, damn it. (laughs) I knew they would do I knew they would do this. And they did it anyway. I watched them as they did it and I was like, no. Uh, They got me again. I'm guessing they'll get you another eight or nine from you in a couple years. Next (laughs) year. I'm gonna be all over this when they end it. And then <laughs> give themselves room to make another sequel. I don't know. It's, it's ridiculous. We don't oh, know gosh. when to stop with these movies because they seemingly are easy to make. But the replication of each lightning in the bottle goes horribly wrong. Yeah. Um, and it's like, it's like it took us forever to figure that out. It's like, well, if you make them well and then walk away, just everyone stop. went, hmm. What are you? So it's <laughs> over. They're still cheap. Yeah, but you know you can still get a great film out of that. All right. Yeah. Um, well, I will say this: I didn't. I haven't seen The Exorcist yet, but I did see the last Exorcism of Emily Rose, and that was excellent. Excellent film. Um, I actually excellent. watched that with my mom, um, and it was yeah super good. It introduced uh, Hollywood to Scott Derrickson, who ended up doing Doctor Strange and uh, Sinister, which is a horror film I actually really really like. Mr. Ooh. Ethan Hawke, and I can't wait for the Black Phone. Uh, Black Phone should holy be good. Holy crap! Yeah, that's gonna be good. So yeah. I just had to get that out. But yeah, they uh, see that's what makes when you hear your house make noise because I live yeah. alone. So when I hear stuff, I'm just like, because mm. <laughs> <laughs> it's that time of year. Because ha- that's almost half of the Exorcist is just strange noises. You know, the mom thinks there's rats in the attic or something like that. Uh, it's just ugh, creepy creepy it's not a place it's just it's when it's your soul on the line that's so much worse that's gonna sink in so much deeper because you have no safety you have nowhere to go and hide and protect yourself from Mm -hmm. all this evil that's gonna happen to you um so that one uh, that's that's honestly that's my like scariest movie of all time because i've seen it three times and that's enough so that's more like the final than the midterm (laughs) yeah that, I mean, it's a, it's a great start because anytime you watch a movie with hauntings in it from then on, the last 40 plus years, they're all taking a bit of it mm-hmm. and trying to up up the ante, uh, outdo it, whatever. Uh, and it's, you know, it's, it's amazing that one of the earliest ones in the very beginning just nailed it right out of the gate. Yeah. Love it. No Absolutely. complaints. Who? Anyway. All right, so spoopy Great stuff. Great recommendation for that one. So, <laughs> thank you. Spoopy stuff with uh, uh, darkness and teeth and and whatever else, right? <laughs> yep. All right. Um, y- y'all have seen Tremors? 
Of course. I have, yes. Mm. All right, so Tremors is a great one. This is like way on the other end of the spectrum. We just went off the rails here uh, already. Well, it's also funny because you just mentioned all the sequels, and the first one I saw was actually Tremors 3, and I enjoyed the hell out of it. And then I saw Tremors 1, I was like, oh, that's fun too. <laughs> but see, the Tremors sequels knows what they, know what they are. There's a certain they they are. Yeah, that's true. It's uh, Well, it's the same with the Ar- I think it's the same with the Army of Darkness thing. Like that worked oh, really yeah. well for being the third Evil Dead movie. You know? Evil, it evil Dead News than was doing. sequels, but yeah. Yeah. It did. So. Uh, all right. So Tremors, uh, 1990. Uh, this is a this is a great monster movie. Like I here here's the thing with monster movies. I it's hard to differentiate what counts as just straight sci-fi, which I would put Alien and all those mm-hmm. Predator, you know, over in sci-fi, even though there are the horror first elements. Alien even, huh? Yeah, I would put, the I put alien... alien sci-fi, but Alien to me. Okay, we'll talk more about that later. Keep going. Ooh. So, uh, when it comes to monster movies, it's it's really hard to come up with something new uh, that we've never seen before because you have to do so many jobs on top of just making a movie or telling a story about some characters and their plight for whatever. Uh, the creature zoology of this worm that lives under the ground, that travels under uh, loose soil, dirt, and the Nevada desert, ha- is 30 feet long, is a massive worm, kind of a husk-like shell, that has this uh, terrifying, almost uh, triceratops-like beak, uh, with these little pincer handles that come off uh, down off the side and inside of its mouth are razor spikes but it also shoots out snake-like tongues that like are as thick as eels that just come out of the ground grab you and pull you in that's terrifying to deal with i like ugh. this is another one that like uh, gave me nightmares for a long time as a child because if you ever played the game like uh floor is lava yeah yeah this is a whole nother level because they they show you and this i just watched this earlier this one this morning (laughs) and when they start tearing this town apart you're like "Ah, there's no way to get out of that because these things are terrible they learn way too it's like a creature that learns way too quick against its prey and the best part of this movie is the town learning with it because they're both figuring out how to hunt and kill one half of you know the other, and the other's like, I just need to survive and get out of here. Uh, and it almost borders as a comedy because sure. it's Kevin Bacon and Fred Ward, and they're hilarious together <laughs> as these two ranchers. Like literally, they're just like, we're gonna we're gonna go uh, follow our dreams and leave town, and that doesn't happen because uh, because they're so isolated and remote wherever they live in uh, perfection. That's the name of the valley. Um, These things are tearing down all their access points and essentially closing in on the town to just eat and have a great time, I'm sure, for the worms. And they have to get out of that. And it's one of the, the, it's the scariest thing because I don't know how they came up with this whole idea of just like, this is how they operate. This is how these things live. Uh, and then to come up with a story that's told over like 90 minutes or something like that of how they can learn and, you know, have these escalating scares, uh, from this monster while like just not telling you what it is, 
the the tongue of one of them gets hung up on like the axle of the jeep and that's the first yep. time they see it and they're just like this thing <laughs> this is the problem like really like no one really buys it and then we watch another scene where it's on a killing spree you know and it's and it sucks an entire station wagon uh under the ground that's an amazing sequence where they, where they just take off running uh, a herd of sheep gets slaughtered there's a lot of blood in this movie for a PG-13 movie because you do see people get eaten, like chomped on, and then pulled underground. So it's almost like a shark in the water type of a deal, but it's out in the desert and sand, mm-hmm. all in beautiful daylight, sunny Nevada. Uh, so it's no, you know, spooky. Uh, it's in the dark or anything like that, but it pulls you underground, which is the worst part. Um, and this has a, a very exciting actually the director of it he also directed uh oh city slickers so there's mm. par- chunks of this movie because that's before this one where they're like they think they're escaping on the on the you know the giant tractor bulldozer with the uh shed behind it uh they're like oh we're gonna get away we'll just leave because if we go to solid uh granite mountain rock they can't swim through that so we're fine and there's these nice sequence where they're like yeah we're gonna we're gonna run from town this is amazing and these things keep figuring out how to uh mess up their plan and the survivors and these worms just keep one up in each other to the point where they have to throw a a pipe bomb at the end and the last one like just jumps off a cliff uh and kills itself which is amazing because they're not like they're kind of smart creatures but they're also kind of dumb like the first one they find concusts itself dead by running into you know one of those cement um those concrete like uh, uh what do you call them the irrigation for water just out in the desert yeah, you yeah, know yeah, yeah. The, where yeah, they yeah. where they're running just on foot and you're like guys that's not gonna work <laughs> this, this, <laughs> this thing just keeps pulling it comes from underneath the ground and you have to get off the ground and they try to make that jump and then that worm just like slams into it and they're like did we did, it knocked itself out cold and he's like hell no we killed it it's the best <laughs> it's the best f-bomb in a pg-13 movie i've ever seen is when oh, kevin's I like i don't have any recollection oh. of that because if you watch it that. if you watch it on a like a made for cable or whatever he says it's the weirdest dub he's just like screw you and you're like no that's not what <laughs> I kevin have said never that day seen it. I think I've only seen the tv cut interesting oh. i have too i just remember Bert Gummer so well yeah, huh. uh, Michael Gross is in there. There's so many, there's so many awesome characters uh, who keep dying in horrible <laughs> ways. But it's re- it's really scary because uh, I, I like I know in horror a lot of the time is as an audience we think it's dumb because we think of the situ- we might think of the situation that these characters are in and just go well just don't be there just leave right and sometimes you can't you know sometimes sure. y- you make the characters. Uh, you know, their id just makes a mistake and then they bring this evil upon them. This is one. It's like, that's their hometown. Where are they going to go? Yeah. Well, they, getting they, away is half the movie. Yeah. yeah I mean, that, that's the they're, movie. They're just trying to run. And it's like, ah, oh, no, these things are after us. They tear out house. They tear out a general store. Uh, they end up flipping a tractor over. Uh, things like you would not think of. And very expertly like played, like sequenced out. Each uh, monster kill, each time the main heroes get away, it's all in an escalation of story building, world building, and lore building of itself. And it just keeps raising the stakes to the point where 
all right, I think we got them all. And the movie's over. And it's got a very nice, you know, uppity, happy ending uh, for a creature that can never exist ever. Like, I don't, I don't need that. Um, cause that, that's, that's like you, anywhere you'd walk outside, you, you know, you're making noise and it's vulnerability. Yeah. Yeah. So I gotta walk without rhythm. So you don't attract the worm. Yeah. (laughs) That's what it is. It's, it has a, I had to make a Dune reference. I apologize. I love it. I love it. It's got this uh, very nice little kind of analysis, uh, when they're discussing like a plan of action, like what to actually do to how to deal with it. That, uh, it chooses to live here because of the soil is so loose, like the top ground of sure. this desert. It's just it can just whip right on through it. So when I was watching it, I, I, I still lived in Colorado, and I was like, uh, I'm okay. <laughs> like I'm looking around at the geological landscape as a child and being like, measuring regular density. Yeah, I'm like, they can't go through asphalt, right? Like, I'm good. Like, to- beyond, this is a fake so worm. how old were you when you saw this? Ah, so this came out in 1990, and I think I may have saw it in, like, 95, so I would have been, like, 10 or 11. Mm-hmm. Okay. It's, gotcha. It just gets me. Um, there's tons of great character work. There's tons of interpersonal uh, stories of this community. They have a smart-ass kid who keeps crying wolf, and he almost gets it. He almost gets it. And one of my favorite parts, like later, is when they like realize how screwed they are. Like this thing is just gonna scare them up something and just wait them out until they die of, you know, starvation and dehydration or whatever else. And they're looking around like, what do we? How do we get out of here? And all you hear is this kid Melvin like scream, and he's like, "You guys gotta do something!" And it was this smarmy ass kid the entire movie giving them shit. <laughs> every which way with this thing and it's like yeah man this is awesome this you, you gotta love the come up of some characters in horror movies where it's just you know it's, it's exciting to me uh, the jock <laughs> tremors hold on one second went on this is one of the worst ones one two three four five six six f and sequels which they did not need uh <laughs> but also made only 16 million uh theatrically yeah i mean i'm calling that a flop right now i didn't know i didn't know the numbers until i like looked at it uh but rotten tomatoes thing i don't know because those sequels were coming out all the time uh after i saw that one as a kid but they kept that showtime of sci-fi channel yeah and a tv yeah tv series yeah yeah this the the lore and methodology of these worms or the graboids got more and more ridiculous every movie and I can yeah. go as far as two aftershocks. That one still makes sense, where it's like the three little ones are inside of the giant bird. Because they were trying to like expand upon the zoology of it, like the xenomorph and aliens. But the mm-hmm. xenomorph and aliens did it in one movie. And we were like, oh, that's horrible. Don't go to space. And here, <laughs> they just keep evolving. And as soon as they were like, yeah, these ones uh, that are different from the other ones that are deaf but have heat vision, but they fly and they fly by farting methane and igniting something else and they're rectum. And I'm like, what the, what is this? And they're like, I don't it's, know. It's it sounds called, like you're selling me on the sequels now. It's called yeah. Ass Blaster. <laughs> that sounds great. They call, when they oh. called them Ass Blasters, I was like, I'm out. We're, we're not making a movie anymore here. We're just being ridiculous. Um, but God bless Michael Gross, who's been 
uh, all Bert. Seven. He's in all of them <laughs> for some reason. It makes no sense. But uh, Tremors is an excellent, excellent uh, a creature movie. Uh, some older kids can watch that one. Uh, but uh, depending on how cool you are with being swallowed into the earth, you know. I have shown one of the movies on your list to my four-year-old recently. Uh, yeah? So. Which one? Yeah. So, I mean, we can jump to We can jump Jaws. to it. Yeah. We, we watched Jaws about a week and a half ago. That's I made him close his eyes one. a couple times, but uh, that was their first real grown-up horror movie and had a great time. Oh, God. <laughs> Jaws is another one of those perfect movies. Like, I actually kept scoring. It's like, a perfect movie. Like, who's yeah. on here? Uh, Spielberg is only on this list twice. Um mm. And oh, we're, we're counting. We're counting the other one as a Spielberg, huh? Yeah, as a producer. When you look at it, you're just like, "This looks exactly." Oh, I, I think like... he probably directed it. So, <laughs> oh no, no, it was, it was a different guy who directed it. Um, well, but there, but... some of the cast. Have you heard the the? We should get to. The, we'll get to this later. Let's go, Jaws. We'll go right there. I think. Let's I think that. I knew what you're gonna say. Yeah. All right. So, Jaws is uh, the perfect creature movie. This is an all time classic. Never. Been uh, it can. It can barely. Yeah, you can't. This is one where it's just like never, ever, ever try to remake this. And we have we, with and uh, failed. Yeah, with uh, blue, uh, deep blue sea, deep blue sea. Yeah. Uh, Forty-seven meters down, open water. You know, mm-hmm. we've oh, never, yeah, we have never gotten shark movies right since. Jaws. What about the Meg? I, <laughs> I won't. Not I saw that in the drive-in. It's yeah. Stay those my boy. There's some, shark, there's some sharks on the screen. Yeah. How is the Meg though? Would you would you be like, yeah? It's a movie. It's a movie. It was perfect. The recommendation of it was perfect kind of movie to watch in a drive-in. It's exactly <laughs> so, what you expect from a drive-in. It's, it's a big man. Show. Three out of five for you is like aggressively fine. Two out of five is it's a movie. I can't wait to find out like the rest of your score. This is fantastic. Two, well, the Meg, sorry, it's a movie. Is two out of five? Okay, yeah, I think that's, that's a what film. I mean. When yeah. you say aggressively fine, I'm like that's aggressively fine to me is a three out of five. When that's you say exactly it's a right. movie, that's, that's exactly two. Right. Yep, I, I, yeah. I think you're right on. Yeah, this is a good scale. I like this. I will real quick since we started with Jaws. Here is the urban legend that I was told at a screenwriting conference from a very prolific screenwriter: is that Jaws as a book was not selling well, but the guy who wrote the book found out the bookstore that the New York Times bestselling list would measure book sales from, and when he found out that bookstore, he bought all of the copies of Jaws, and that's how it got on the New York Times bestseller list, oh, and that's how it got oh. adapted. So, I cannot find this on the internet, that's dope. but this was at this was at this, uh, Creative Screening Expo in 2008, and a very high prolific writer... Somebody who may I know what say, he's talking about. Yes, yeah, somebody who I'm positive knows what he's talking about because I've mentioned him on the show a lot told that story, and I was like, oh, damn. <laughs> that's one way to do it. Amazing. Way to go, Peter Benchley. Um, <laughs> some of the, you know, some of the best creature features are when we take a uh, completely realistic and natural animal that's on this planet and just Mm -hmm. say, what if Mm -hmm. uh, this thing were ginormous, much bigger than you would actually find out there, which is possible. It's real. Uh, Mm -hmm. And it found a buffet line it really liked and didn't leave. (laughs) What do you do? Yeah. You know? Obviously, the horror lesson there is like, well, just don't go in the water. This is... And Aliens does this. The actually the entire Aliens franchise does this too. But this is one of the best movies showcasing greed over human life. It's I yes. love the the fight between Sheriff Brody 
and this mayor. And the mayor. The a-hole with the suit that has little anchors painted on it. I'm like, get out of here, man. But he there he is like the mayor is the true evil villain. Because the shark is a shark. The shark can only do like three things. Swim forward, eat whatever it wants in its mouth, and, and crap it out. Sharks. And make baby sharks. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. Do, 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 do. That's uh, that's as far as the shark is going to go. The shark doesn't have vendettas, unlike what the sequels tried to tell us uh, yeah. or any of that stuff. <laughs> Those were so bad. Um, but Jaws is the we have to protect this uh, island community that needs you know beach visitors uh, during the summer. Well, that absolutely works out great for the shark. The shark's just like bring it on. Nom 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 nom. And <laughs> uh, I'll, what I can, I mean, so much has been said about this film, like 98% Rotten Tomatoes were dead on yeah. there. Budget of 7 million, pulls in 471 mil oh. uh, box office, three sequels, absolutely made Steven Spielberg. I Yeah, I mean, we, this could just break down to talking how great Spielberg is. It's Sure. Yeah. Or, you know, who's the one reviewer that was just like, well, I didn't care for it. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, didn't that, wasn't that a controversy recently with that movie? It might have been something else. I'll, I'll come back to this. But yeah, like, who's that one reviewer that's just like, it wasn't very funny to me when I saw it. Moving on. <laughs> so, so Jaws is like our first blockbuster. And like in American cinema culture, this is the one everyone's just like, have you seen the shark that eats people? And everyone, no. What do you mean? Made and they're like, movies. bum, 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 bum. This, this movie invented, you know, the monster, like, soundtrack. Like, it's the mm-hmm. only time he's showing up is when that score kicks in. And John Williams is just like, blah, blah, blah. Uh, This is uh, one of the scariest dealing with a, a completely realistic and natural predator uh, on our planet. And watching them try and figure out how to deal with this thing is really unnerving but it's gets worse when you see the shark and Mm -hmm. that's one of the best things i can be thankful about for jaws is that we didn't have computer generated effects at the time if we did we'd have a much different movie (laughs) bruce would have been in it the whole time and we probably would have we'd probably be thinking of jaws as that movie's called the the king of schlock and we'd be like this (laughs) The shark is in every other scene, just eating all the screen time it can. Luckily, Gosh. he can't show it as much as he wants, so he has to th- he has to really try really hard to all these tricks to make this movie using barrels, uh, mm-hmm. using <laughs> whatever else uh, that they can think of um, to hide this beast of a machine that they've constructed because the practical effects are outstanding uh when when, when bruce comes out of the water and gets that one guy <laughs> that's one of the worst Ooh, gets which, which guy um quinn quint oh yeah 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 uh the guy who's well, like oh, i'll go out and catch a shock for you just follow me in my I, boat uh, i think this is a great example because of that if why in horror it's important to make you love your characters because if you don't love your characters you're not scared for them yeah and very true you want brody to make it out alive you want um what's the other guy's name richard um, dreyfus richard dreyfus is harper i think yeah yeah, yeah that's you right. care yeah. about these characters yeah yeah because Har- harper's the the ex the shark expert uh quinn is the i want to say like shark angler like he's been hunting him his whole mm-hmm. life so he's familiar. And then you have every man, Sheriff Brody, who's 
trying to balance his own personal fear of the water, which they don't highlight super harsh in the film, mm-hmm. but they bring it up. They're like, he doesn't like he doesn't like uh, going out there at all. Uh, right. on, on the ferry coming into this island, he sits in his car on that barge. You know, it's it's there. So when when it comes out to he has to be the one to try and deal with this ginormous great white, it's creepy. Uh, the best yeah. jump scare in that whole film is the uh, he's slumming chump. Scumming, yeah, yeah, yep. behind him, <laughs> and he's just yeah. like, "You, you come back here and sling the shit." And Bruce is like, Burp, just right behind him. <laughs> no music cue at all, and he doesn't scream. He just kind of just stands upright, <laughs> stares. I'm trying just... to reach you about your car insurance. Like that's why you should exactly <laughs> just staring out in the ocean water, and then just goes and walks up to the cabin. He's like, nah, "I think you guys need a bigger boat." Like this. Is not great. Ad lib situation. Yeah. yeah, it's yeah. so good. One of the greatest ad libs. Yeah, uh, that also has uh, the very tragic and real story of that uh, naval ship that was attacked. This is Ooh, like during World yeah. War II. I think yeah. it was the SS Indiana. I think I don't have Sounds it in front right. of me, but where they were like, yeah, there were a thousand crewmen, and only three hundred some were rescued because after this, after their ship was attacked, uh, sharks were there. And they just were preyed on. Horrible. And you don't see, there's no, you know, like side cut or flashback or anything like that. It's just that actor telling that story and the other two slowly realizing that is horrifying. A testament (laughs) to how great that scene is. Yeah. My children got scared watching an old man talk about a World War II story. And I can't tell you how much that made me happy. So that is awesome. I'll say this. One of the most hardcore screenwriters to ever live, he's still around, John Milius, who wrote Jeremiah Johnson, Apocalypse Now, Dirty Harry. Um, he, he wrote uh, Conan the Barbarian. Uh, he wrote that scene. That scene. If, that you, watch his, if you watch the documentary about him, because um, he, like, he suffered a stroke and he like lost the, his ability to speak and things like that. So they brought in like Lucas and Spielberg and all these other guys to speak about it. They said that he wrote that sequence. For that Amazing. Movie. Yeah. That's really oh, it's so yeah. good. <laughs> but yeah, it's, it. it's, you know, at the end of the day, it is as scary as sharks are, like truly, in, in our reality right now. Yeah. It's yep. just a fish. <laughs> And uh, they deal with it. They deal with it in such a brilliant way that's foreshadowed. I mean, it wouldn't work. I don't know if you've seen the Mythbusters where they're like, you can't shoot a canister <laughs> yeah. from that far into a thing. And then it blows. <laughs> it was ridiculous. But like, it's all foretold very like filmmaking 101 uh, in, up it's until that point. It's a great use of Chekhov's guns. Yeah, exactly. They're just like. Yeah, when the mom's looking at the boat or the picture of the boat and like the shark is like coming up and tearing at the hull and she starts screaming at her kids because the dad is like, I need you out of the water. Get out of the water. Get out of the water. And then she sees the picture. She's like, oh, my God, get out. What are you doing? Listen to your father. What? This is you can't be in there. Um, It's it's truly, truly awesome to see uh, the fear of a, a natural apex dinosaur predator be taken so real. Uh, you know, that mom who loses her son coming up and slapping Brody across the face the next day. Awesome. You're, you're just mm-hmm. like, this is really bad. Uh, and the mayor's the worst person alive. But Jaws, love it. Uh, so before we move on. Yeah, yeah. Charles Champlin, 1975. 
It is a coarse-grained and exploitive work which depends on excess for its impact. Assured is a bore, awkwardly staged, and lumpily written. Kenneth Robinson's review has been taken offline, so I can't get much other than the Rotten Tomatoes blur, but the quote there is, To be fair to this film, and I can't see why I should be, it is an improvement on Peter Benchley's book. And those are the two negative reviews. Damn, dude. The 1975's one, looking at it, it looks like he's bitter that Spielberg created the blockbuster. And I've heard many people say it, but he created it with a damn good movie. Right. You know, we'll put we'll put this in the show notes. J.J. Uh, Abrams' TED Talk about um, movies. He Mystery Box. Jaws. Yeah. Yes, thank you. That 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 part of the speech where he talks about uh, what the the best part of Jaws really was, and it was the interaction with the sheriff and his son. It's just like that give hug. me a kiss, yes, why? Because I need it. Yeah. Because I need uh. it. Yeah, like that's, and uh, he's right though. Like, if you don't have that to hang the movie on, then nothing else really matters. But that's the lesson that it seems like because we're we're talking about these movies here that always have these insane sequels. Like, they don't seem to learn that lesson. They just make it about oh, then it's all about the shark. Well, then it's all about the right. <laughs> the, the tremor. It's all about the demon. Yeah, they they miss that that character and the importance. And they always and, think and, they and so, yeah they don't have to do the same legwork with uh, the rest of the story. You know, and your characters and your uh, your elements and your setting and your theme. Because uh, Jaws technically has more than one. I mean, the fatherhood one, took, I wasn't until that same TED Talk where J.J. Aiden was just like, this is what it's about. This guy's life, his job sucks. And is, he's not native here, you know? There's very little, there's some talk where they're like, uh, you're never an islander unless you were born on this island. And you're like, well, what does that mean? And it kind of doesn't matter because... A shark starts eating them, <laughs> and it's his right. job to fix it. To stop um, it's it's yeah. It, it, we don't see that in sequels. There's always there's not really this plan of like how do we keep this going. It's just like hey, can we water this down so we can control C, control V, and yeah. have another box office. You know, I have a there's a spoof trailer that I saw recently called Shark in the Pool, which I will also put in the show notes. And uh, it's it plays off of that because it's like a pool party and it's all the hot teens and college kids and uh, shark gets somebody in the pool. And they're like, what are we going to do? The, and there's just that one character who's like, well, we won't go in the pool. He's like, but it's a hot summer day. <laughs> like, I'll put, that, I'll put that in the show notes for everyone to enjoy. Great. I mean, yeah, with every uh, the horror genre has taught us so many life lessons. It's amazing. Uh, and just (laughs) just culturally like i think because of uh some horror movies we we have a caller id you know uh we we now know don't ever go into that house or don't go it's like the rule kind of became like don't go there where this Mm -hmm. is happening and uh Luckily, some very intelligent people were like, what if there comes to you and now you can't get out? How, how would you survive? And that's where we get into some real interesting territory. Um, but yeah, Jaws, one of the goats. That that one's up there. Uh, I'm going to jump. I, go ahead, Brendan. No, I just, if, if, if you're not a horror fan, I would say on this list, that's the one to watch. Everybody and their dog mm-hmm. should see Jaws. It's scary, but you can do it. Watch Jaws. I like that. It's good looking shark. <laughs> they need to bring that so, ride back at Universal Studios, Orlando. Yes. It just comes out of the water. It's a good one. All right. Uh, since I, I feel like we're on a monster movie roll, uh, I had to add this one on here because I only saw it in the last like few years. And it's what I was going to make you watch today, Nick, because I yes! absolutely <laughs> yes, love yes, yes, this yes, yes. movie. And that is 1982. 
John Carpenter's The Thing. John Carpenter. Whew, hold on. <laughs> I will watch here. it before the month is over. I absolutely will. I will Let's right, talk about it. Follow up on a future episode. We'll, yeah. we'll do a quick. Up. We'll do a quick review. Of yeah, Brendan. I think watches, we can yeah. do we do this without spoiling it for. Uh, I I here. we absolutely have to. I think it's vital. Uh, so, Nick, this this movie. Uh, 86% Rotten Tomatoes, 92% Ooh. by the audience, though. However, uh, I don't I don't have access to a budget, but Box Office was an abysmal 19 million bucks. Mm. This movie flopped hard, like had Oy. no chance. Um, <clears throat> uh, years later, they made one prequel. Uh, there's also a video game of it. But the idea of there is something otherworldly among a small group or a band of survivors or workers or whatever because they're on an ice uh research facility i think yeah i don't know what they do at that facility they're just there (laughs) it doesn't matter (laughs) (laughs) but that there's something alien along with them and let me see uh it has the ability to copy dna down to the cellular level so it can look like any of us and that's the movie Ooh. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, Kurt Russell is also a badass. Yes, that's it. Good old Kurt Russell. Oh, uh, there. I, I think we can just leave it there. But yeah. I will state. Let's go. Let's go another step. If you're not a horror fan and you want to try things, the thing is the movie I'd least recommend from this list to start with. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's a little bit of a deep. Like you gotta you gotta like some other stuff to truly enjoy hard. this one yeah this is this so is not good. kitty gloves it's so good the practical effects are genius level i when i watched Stan the, winston workshop i believe uh, it's, some it's, of the grossest it's not stuff him put on film okay and i mean yeah. that is the best compliment possible it's it looks so grotesque uh but yet imaginatively horrific like yes. you know, when you're watching not stuff in change you're like well how does that work and the, the film just goes like it works like this and you're like oh <laughs> no and how they did that in 82 i'm mm, 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 mm. so John there's a Cobb lot of movies that have grotesqueness grot- uh, and gore and things and it's just kind of thrown on screen and it seems cheap and schlocky this movie ends earns every bit of revulsion it gives you it earns it and you're grateful for it it's it's one of yeah it's one of those like you when you watch it it has a ambiguous ending kind of because the whole thing is you are not supposed to know anything like what's really happening what this thing's doing none of that you're not you don't get to know because how would these characters know kind of handles it with a little bit of levity uh but but also (laughs) Um, there is when when they did a sequel reboot to this in like 2011, which mm-hmm. is awful. Um, <laughs> I never saw it because that's what I heard. You don't have to. It okay. <laughs> ends about five minutes before this one starts. Okay. And there's a sequence in the original where Kurt Russell and a couple of the other dudes they go to where. Uh, the helicopter, the Swedish helicopter came from, and they go check mm-hmm. out the neighboring installation. And, and that's they what walk this through prequel it. is? That's what that this okay. entire prequel sets up where every single little thing ended up when they walked through it 
and set up all this mystique and intrigue and but it's terrifying because you're like what happened there's a lot of blood and it, like as you're looking at it you're like none of this makes sense what did they find in the ice like that's the question um this movie just walks you through and just ruins all of that and you're like oh well, this sucks it's a prequel this that is, didn't need to exist this prequel's yeah. garbage um so don't watch and- that one we should. I have watched the behind the scenes. What is the effect house that made all the practical effects for the prequel and had them all thrown out for scene replaced with CG? Oh, yes. Yeah. Yes. That was a producer. The producer was just like, yeah. this looks old and hokey. And they had spent so much money. And I'm talking like uh, a human being's face melting into the clone of it and it, they kind of look blended together. The prosthetic model for this looked amazing and they scrapped all of it. And threw in some early 2000s CG because they had to and, burn through uh, as much uh, money as they could in the very late stages of pre-production to get this thing ready to release. And it was like, that's the worst decision you made about this entire thing. Wow. Once you see the original, you'll realize how much of a travesty that decision is because the original uh, is a work of art. I will say this. If you are squeamish about seeing uh, animals... Uh, become injured on screen or hurt uh, even though it's a film and it's make-believe thing is a tough watch just saying in a dog kennel nick it's rough man i can't wait to talk about it with you you guys bring up a very interesting point because i think there's a difference between movies that are scary and movies that just fill you with dread right so like for example when i first saw signs I was scared and I always, I I had to actually have the hallway light on at night because I was afraid of like the clot, like what could be in the claws and all that. But then I saw hereditary hereditary and that was just dread. Like it wasn't, <gasps> there were some scary moments. Sure. But that was just dread. Like I couldn't go any lower kind of a, a film. And it's that's why it's one of the It's similar to what Requiem for a Dream did to me. But I think, I don't know how, where that fits in the whole horror thing because i know you guys both like midsummer so i don't mm-hmm. know where it all fits but like dread is like that's such a different feeling so hereditary is to go back to what i said before hereditary is the kind of movie that i say i love with every fiber of my being and tell nobody i know to watch it <laughs> sure <laughs> that's not kind of yeah i i brought it up to a, a group of friends movie night and i was the only one pleased after hereditary <laughs> i mean the entire room is just like what the hell what Why? have you done to me what what made you like this movie and i'm like that was a great film what are you talking about what is it about what is about nude geezers that you find appealing <laughs> but so so to me i'm not opposed like i said i don't want just the teeth in the dark I, right it can be fun but it but to me the scariness the fear that comes if you've earned the dread that to me makes it hit you in the gut, and I love that. So if you, you you earn the dread and then you bring the fear, you've got a perfect evening in my book. There you go. Uh, as much as I love uh, Ari Aster's work so far, uh, Midsummer and Hereditary are not on this list. Pains mm-hmm. me. Uh, I are, totally understand. Those are not like... intro movies. You you don't nope. start there. No no no. <laughs> Be turned off forever. <laughs> um, but if we want to go spooky, as in spirits, the supernatural, one of the best introductory movies ever, which I was about to like pull up the what re- happened in real life while this franchise was getting made because it was really sketch because people died and sets were haunted and whatever else. Twilight Zone. Poltergeist. 
the oh, original oh, yes, that story yes. in 1982. So there's some cool stories about Poltergeist, but I want to hear that. Yes, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. See, I gotta, see, I gotta get it. Hold on. <laughs> Hold on. Poltergeist was... Poltergeist is one of the movies that I saw in last year's uh, Halloween October adventure of scary movies. So I hadn't seen it before. And I think I, me too. I, think, I think I saw it. I think that was the year. movie that did the whole uh, Indian burial, burial ground thing first. I think that was one of the first ones. But man, some of those sequences, like, oh my goodness, just. So and then, the of thing, course, I always think, yeah, go ahead, go ahead. Well, no, I was just thinking, we, we watched, we talked about The Exorcist, and you can see The Exorcist's DNA in so many other things. And I expected to see that with Poltergeist in all Haunted yeah. House movies, but Poltergeist just, I was surprised at how uniquely its own thing it was. It, I, I don't know many horror movies that felt feel like Poltergeist does. Now, that's another Spielberg one, is that right? Kind uh, of. Spielberg is a producer on the film. That's what it was. And yeah. a writer. Um, see, I got uh, so to... While well, you're looking it. for that, let's tell the Spielberg story that I... From what, do, do, yeah, do you guys please. follow Go the news stories that it was a couple of year, a year or two ago? Mm-hmm. Half the cast claims that Spielberg directed the whole movie. Half the cast claims that Tom Hooper directed the whole movie. My best guess, and what most people seem to think happened, is Spielberg's first production, that he's first he's taking his hands off the rain, he probably kept showing up on set, getting excited, ending up behind the camera, until somebody told him, dude, you've got to back off and let Hooper make this damn movie. Yeah, that sounds I'm, about right. I'm guessing he made a lot of the movie, but it still was Hooper's movie. Probably. Yeah. Who knows? Yeah. I mean, anytime there's like smoke in a room and the shot, like that's, that's him. Uh, some of the earlier sequences that are like, like Spielberg oneers, you can kind of see like in the kitchen when they're watching the game, like that felt very Spielberg to me. So yeah, I, I could see that. I could see there's, that. There's some weird like strike shenanigans. So people are claiming that he got Hooper's name on it so that he could direct it because there was a workaround, but yeah. Oh boy. So <laughs> that's so interesting. All right. So here's how uh, I learned of the tale of Carol Ann. Uh, Cause that, this is a trem- This is a family haunting movie. So it's like everybody and it's, mm-hmm. you know, again, kind of like the exorcist, they're after the little girl, um, which if you, cause I just rewatched it like this uh, past weekend, if you really listen to uh, the development of the family archetypes. They talk that they, all their other children were born wherever else they moved from to that little valley, that subdivision in California. And Carol Ann was born in that house is the only one so it's kind of it's like see i just gave myself chills because she's Ooh. chosen she's picked uh by these spirits in in this movie that does a haunting so so well uh yeah. because it's more lighthearted, but it's also just truly terrifying because uh as much as you think just leave the house one of their investigators that comes over to uh, try and help them with this thing because their child's just missing the most of the movie it's t- she's talking right. to them through the tv through the static um is they're like if you leave it'll follow you just how it works bro and they're like Ooh, how do we get our daughter out all right so uh i kind of found it uh so poltergeist the series uh has long been the subject of a legend that holds that there is a curse associated with it mm-hmm. because of four cast member deaths that occurred between 82 and 88 um Hmm. only they're saying only one of them is unnatural uh 22 year old 
who was uh, the teenage daughter, Dana, in the first movie. Mm -hmm. She was murdered by her ex-boyfriend when he strangled her after uh, (laughs) she uh, tried to stop him. God, rebuffed his attempt to reconcile. Okay, so some like domestic dispute uh, between those two. But it was it was weird. There were um, chronic illnesses. Uh, there were uh, someone else died of stomach cancer, died of complications from a heart lung transplant, um, cardiac arrest, all this stuff. The it, this like whatever happened uh, while they were making this film and its sequels, spoopy shit was going down around <laughs> them, and they eventually stopped. Um, and I can't remember. It was probably after the third one, uh, which uh, they try to like personalize the entity that is coming after them, and it doesn't work. Uh, but it's this is such a great movie uh, in terms of practical effects, but early CG that looks just an eyesore bad. Like when you when, <laughs> when it's you, charming in its own way. It, yes, it's very it's very uh, light. It's very yeah, cute because it's a child's closet you know, in her room that is uh, having the worst go of it. And there's so the the sequences that they come up with to show that this house is haunted, that it's real and how this entire family is dealing with it while keeping it secret that their daughter has gone missing for months from their neighbors, from their, you know, bosses, coworkers, the school, everything what they come up with to scare people is genius level. Uh, this is also right on the line of where Spielberg had to make that PG-13 rating because there's a lot of blood sure. in this movie. There's a dude who bites into uh, a cold drumstick and he throws it on the ground and thinks like there's maggots crawling all over it. So he's eating yeah. something disgusting, runs into the bathroom, pukes up a bunch of stuff and then claws his own face off. That scene, man. That's a, yeah. That's a scene. So you know, Spielberg was like, "All right, guys, in Raiders of the Lost Ark, we melted everybody. So how about this one guy just goes and just scratches everything off until it's partial flesh and then a skeleton prosthesis underneath and just blood everywhere." And yeah, they let that fly. It's a PG movie. Sheesh. PG thirteen was a good good call. Yep. <laughs> and they didn't do that till later, but there. this was the, uh, you know, they, the, uh, the iconic, you know, everyone has that bad dream of running down a hallway and it just gets longer. That's the mm-hmm. final act. Like the mom is doing that to try and rescue her uh, kids again. And it's just down the Z axis as she's running. And you're like, this is the worst house ever. I don't want to <laughs> live here. Um, it's got one of the most realistic twists of trying to, to actually showcase, Hey, this is part of the, um, Indian bear, not Indian burial ground, but uh, it was the plot of land that all these houses were built on was a cemetery, and they only moved the headstones. You didn't move the bodies, like Craig T. Nelson yelling at that guy. He's like, "Son of a bitch, you didn't move the bodies." <laughs> it's amazing uh, because what these ghosts do is most, for the most part, they just dick around. You know, they're just lost souls. They don't, they don't know. They might not know that they're dead. Uh, however, there's one darker, meaner entity who is keeping carol ann where she is and i think this movie was trying to say like that's limbo or something it's the it's the plane of existence between life and death and she's just chilling there um 
And practical effects wise, what's gross is when they get her out, it looks like she's covered in this like placenta afterbirth kind of pink, you know, just guts. And it's just nasty looking. And you're the whole time you're like, what is that? Is that what? Is that what happens when, you know, our souls leave our body and we just hang around in one neighborhood and it's just, we're just dripping ectoplasm everywhere. It does so many things well. Um, They're here, you know, an iconic line. Yes. That's that's one of the greatest. Oh, uh, the other one is, uh, this house is clean. It's amazing. (laughs) She's such a good character. Oh, that character who... It comes in and, and is like the final like all right we're gonna beat this thing and you have to do exactly what i say as i say it and it's, it's so good anyway poltergeist uh for for you know a haunted house is one of the best intros because it's very very soft it's very very light uh great. and it can be a little bit traumatic other side of that though uh we're gonna go right into stanley kubrick's Yes. <sighs> interpretation of Stephen King. Stephen King probably hates this movie more than anybody. Uh, I will say, before we leave Poltergeist real quick, I forgot that they rebooted this film. Yep. Did anybody else remember that? Yeah. 2010. I the clown no idea. poster being everywhere in cinemas. Oh. Trash. We don't need that. Trash. Of course, which, which is the theme of this episode. Is sequels are trash. Endless trash. Sequels are, are hot garbage. Oof. Yeah, it's a tough place to end. Uh, Come back next week, and we look forward to talking about The Shining with you guys. Have a great Halloween. Bye.